0: Welcome to the P4C Podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 12 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each week, the P4C Podcast delivers rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. Our current series is from P4C 2017, Resolved, Why the Reformation Matters Today. We now join our speaker for the conclusion of last week's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged.
1: Do you remember the parable of the wicked tenants? Let's turn there. Go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 20. Luke 20, uh, verse 9. Luke 20, verse 9. I'm fascinated by this parable. And he began to tell this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went to another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant. But they also beat him and uh, treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect my son or respect him. Forgive me. Verse 14. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. But He looked directly at them and said, What then is written? Is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. When it falls on anyone, it will crush him. What this is saying is My son was like that stone. And you rejected him. Yet I will make him Lord of all. I will make him the chief cornerstone. You spat on him. You killed him. Yet I will still offer salvation. But this one thing I require. The one you rejected. The one you spat on. The one you neglected. The one that you despised. The one that you killed. I require that my son would be honored and you must come through him. so that he would be the chief cornerstone. Acts four verse 12, "There is no salvation but through him. Write that verse down. Acts 4:12, look it up later. You, it, there's no other way. First Timothy 2:5 write that one down. It says, "There is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Who gave himself as a ransom for all? Friends, there's not another out answer out there because, really, there's not another question out there. There's not another problem out there. So that's the first point. He is the way, he is the exclusive way. Next, it says he's the truth. Look at verse 6. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He calls himself the truth. Uh, humanity is in constant search for truth. Some of you are searching for truth today. In Hindu scriptures, the Vedas said uh, that truth is mysterious. It's hard to find. In fact, Buddha, at the end of his life, get this, Buddha says, I'm still searching for truth. Muhammad wrote, I point to truth, but Jesus Christ comes and he says, I am truth. Verse 7 says this, If you had known me, you would know the Father also. This is a truth that reveals the Father. Verse 8 has got to be uh, one of the dumbest questions in human history. Uh, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, it will be enough for us. What, What he's asking for is a theophany, okay? Maybe he's been talking to James, Peter, and John. Maybe he, he heard about what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration up on Mount Hermes. And he's saying, Lord, let's do one of those, alright? Uh, one of the theophanies, like in the Old Testament, the burning bush, the, uh, the, the mountain on fire, right? Let's, let's do one of the pillars or something. Let's do a theophany, a, a present illustration of the power of God and the presence of God. Let's, let's do one of those. But uh, it's got to be one of the dumbest questions. I mean, we've got to be honest. There is such a thing as a dumb question. And uh, this is a dumb question because Jesus has just said, if you know me, you know the Father. And you see Jesus' reply to Philip, and it kind of expresses his frustration at a stupid question. Look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, "'Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father.' How can you say show us the Father? You want to know truth? You have to come through Jesus. Jesus is the truth in the flesh. If you want to see the heart and the character of God, who God is, God has given us that in his Son, Jesus Christ. Notice verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works. He's saying, look, you want to see the Father? Look at me. You want to, you want to hear the Father's voice? Listen to me. You don't, believe, you, don't, you don't believe what I'm doing? You don't believe what I'm saying? You don't, you don't believe me? Look at my works. You want to see the works of God? Look at what I do. Listen, some of you are on a search for truth. I've been there. Some of you are looking. You're not a Christian and you're separate from God. This is the beckon. This is the call of God. That you will find truth, but it's only in the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to know God, it starts with knowing Jesus. You need to go on a desperate search for Jesus Christ and you find Him in the Scriptures. The whole Bible could be summed up as Jesus Christ. It's truth, and you need to go on a search for him. If you want to know truth, you've got to go through the person of the Son. Last point, and we're done, or else I'm going to get heckled for going over. Um, lastly, he's the way, he's the truth, he is the life. Now, friends, this, is, this may be the most joyous part of the whole sermon, Humanity is on a desperate search to be satisfied. Every heart in this room is looking for something. Every one of you. According to the philosopher Jagger, uh, Mick Jagger, (laughs) I can't get no satisfaction. And I've tried. And I've tried. And I've tried. And I can't get no. End quote. You cannot get satisfaction in this life. Jesus says, I am life. I alone can satisfy you. He has already told Mary and Martha this at the death of their brother, at referring to the resurrection. But uh, I believe it's deeper here. The Greeks knew this concept very well. How many of you know the, the King Tantalus? Remember this in Greek society? Do you remember what this is? No? No? He was a man, he was a king. King Tantalus was punished in the underworld. He was punished by being chained uh, to a, a lake. And he was constantly thirsty. And so every time he would reach down to get a drink of water, what would happen? The water goes, and he could never quite get it. And above him was a tree. And it had the choicest fruits of all the world. And it was just dangling right here. And every time he'd just kind of reach up, the tree would pull back, and he could never quite get it. The Greeks understood that idea. That's where we get that word, uh, it's tantalizing, right? King Tantalus. We're, we're never satisfied in life. Our world, it's constantly coming up short, and we have this, this desire for divine things that are never satisfied and most of us, what we do is we look to different places for satisfaction. I touched on this the other day. Some of us, we look to ourselves to be satisfied. And we think, I mean, self-help books fly off of the shelf, don't they? I mean, ten ways for a better you, right? I mean, who, who doesn't want to buy that book? I, yeah, I'll, I want a better me, sure. That means we're always on a hunt for a better self. Comes up with self-actualization, self-improvement. You know, you, you read these things in the magazines and there's this new technique and there's a new diet and there's a new exercise and there's acupuncture and there's uh, meditation and let's deal with your chakra and let's, let's you know, let's, let's really start dealing with the inner self. And boy, Pastor Matt seems agitated. You know, he, there is an herb that would really help him and uh, his chakra is woefully off, right? And uh, he just seems Agitated. That's our culture though. Always on the hunt for a new you. And so we we seek a better body and we go to the gym and, and we get, you know, you get chiseled and you get you know you get in shape and, and you're never quite it's never quite enough. And then you 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 know, you work and you try to get enough money and and that maybe that will fill this hole in your heart and a dream vacation or more knowledge and nothing quite does it. And at the beginning, we have to lay out that nothing changes in all these things because you will always be disappointing to you because you are the problem. Another way we try to find satisfaction in people, others. that We try to fill that hole in our heart by, by, by grabbing other people and relationships. And some of you are right there. And we start looking to our, our leaders and we start looking to a president or a pol- politician and we start looking to athletics and athletes to satisfy us. And they become our heroes and we put those people in our heart, right? And what we discover is that doesn't do it either. And the reason is because people make cr- crummy gods. I met with a couple uh, about three years ago. And a young lady was willing to uh, marry a young man who was a monster. She was blind to it. And I said, don't do it. Don't do it. And she says, oh, but we're in love. Sure you are. And uh, he completes me, is what she said. And I just said, this is a bad idea. He's a monster. You should not do this. She called me about three months ago. I'm in Ohio now. That was in California. She called me about three months ago and she said, "Um, you were right. We have five counselors working with us now and he's hitting me. And I should have listened to you and I'm sorry. And we believe that if I could just have a relationship, maybe that would satisfy the longings of my heart. Some of you are thinking that way. Man, if 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 I could just get married... If I could just have a spouse or maybe some kids and we could fill that hole. You know what I'm talking about? If I could just just have those relationships, then finally I could be fulfilled and happy. And people make crummy gods. It doesn't work. He's just a man. She's just a woman. You'll never find a good enough man. You'll never find a good enough woman. You'll never have a good enough child that will complete you because you were made for God. Third place we look. We look for stuff to satisfy us. I could say a lot on this one. I don't think I need to. But you accumulate more and more and more stuff to fill that hole in your heart and that just doesn't do it either. And Jesus comes along and he says, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am life. And I will satisfy you. Not for a moment. I will satisfy you forever. Into the ages. With eternal life. Forever. And those are hard words. Some of the things I've said are very offensive. They're just words, friends. Take heart. They're just words. Unless they're true. Then you have to do something about them. Rabbi Zacharias, we have the right to believe anything we want to believe. But not everything we believe is right. We don't get to choose what is true. We only get to choose what we do about it. Let me give you a few applications and we're done. Okay. Number one, it's not enough to believe that Jesus is the way or the truth and the life. That's just not enough. It's not enough. You know, the demons believe those things. You have to put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, that He would do those things for you. You have to know God. You have to be born again. It's what the Bible calls being born again. I pose that question to you one last time before I leave. Are you born again? Have you repented? Have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? As the one who would satisfy you. As the one who would be truth to you. Truth incarnate. As the only way to God. Have you placed your trust in Him that He died for you? You need to do that today. Second, I would just plead with you. I would beg you, stop thinking and looking for other things to satisfy you outside of Jesus Christ. I plead with you. You will end in frustration and disappointment. And you'll keep looking. And until you are satisfied in Him, nothing else will be quite enough. It's going to frustrate you. Third thing. By the way, some of you need to repent of that last one. Some of you have been doing that. You need to repent of that. I I lovingly beg you to do that. Third thing. You and I need to end being very much like Polycarp standing on this doctrine. Very much like Mark Spence. I'm a Christian. I'm unashamed to be a Christian. It is logical. It is right. And you need to do that unashamedly. There is no other way. It's not shameful to speak the truth. What is shameful is is to just sort of smile at error. What is shameful? What is deplorable? Is to just sort of just just kind of find your niche into the culture and not say that Jesus is the only way and sort of smile them on their way to hell. What's the worst that could happen if you speak up that Jesus is the only way? I mean, what what's the worst that could happen to somebody? They reject you. What? what I mean, yeah, that's okay. But what what's the worst that could happen for them? There's like hell too, right? There's he's the only way, and it's. Downright mean to not share with them the truth. A few years ago, there was a mine collapse in Argentina. Have you, do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, it was a big ordeal. They were down there for like a month or two. And um, they eventually carved this tunnel... I mean, miles under the earth. And, and uh, this tunnel went all the way down there, and they, it was about this wide, and they bored a tunnel, and they started just dropping tubes of food down there, and they would lower it down, and it would finally reach there, and they would get food and oxygen pumped down there. But they were, they were stuck down there. Uh, I guess they built this mine in sort of a corkscrew manner, and it kind of collapsed. Do you remember that? They were, um, they were just stuck underground. There's no way out. No way out. They were down there Forever. Well, eventually they bored another tunnel and this tunnel was big. I mean, it was, it was about this big and they would drop uh, kind of an elevator down the shaft and it would be lowered down the shaft. They could bring up one person at a time. One person at a time. It was like a 45-minute ride to the top or something like that. Something crazy. But um, imagine you're down there. I mean, you're a captive under layers of sin. Imagine that's you. And you're looking around and there's someone next to you and they're saying, boy, that, that is too constrictive. That's too tight. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't like closed spaces. I don't like walls. Too confining. I just don't know that I can do that. If that's me, I'm looking at this person and maybe they're saying, well, maybe there's another way out and i'm looking at this person and i'm saying friend this is a rescue mission this is i mean look you can choose to not get in here but this is the only way up if you don't get in we'll we'll have a nice memorial for you up on the top of the surface but but i mean this is your only chance and you may be saying this is too constrictive this is too hard that's too narrow that's too exclusive it's too easy it's too simple it wasn't easy for God to send his son to the cross. And it wasn't simple for God when he sent Jesus to suffer for your sins. And you may be saying, "Well, it's just too that's too narrow. There's no other way. This is a rescue mission." And if Jesus Christ, if there was some other way besides Jesus, why would God send his son? Why did he have to come and die? And friends, that's the real serious issue. By refusing God, by refusing Jesus Christ, you are insulting God. You are insulting your rescuer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're going to conclude here. These are hard words. I understand that. You have the right to believe whatever you want to believe. But not everything you believe is right. Right? Hard words. But, but remember, these are only words. Unless they're true, then you have to do something about it. Some of you are walking in darkness still. Some of you are here and you came to have a good time, but God had other plans for you. God brought you here that you might come to everlasting life through a relationship with His Son. And maybe God's doing that right now in your heart plead with you that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I plead with you. There is no other way. This is the answer to man's truth problem because man has no other problem. This is man's problem. We are all guilty under the law of sin and death. We all stand guilty, condemned as felons. We all stand at the judgment seat of God And the answer to man's problem is that Christ the righteous has been sent. He paid off man's sin so that whosoever would believe that Jesus died for them, whosoever would turn from their former walk, uh, they would repent and turn to a Savior, a merciful Savior, a kind Savior. He would be so merciful to you. He would be so gracious to you. He would cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will wash them. I will make them white as snow. He would cleanse you. He would make you white as snow from the top of your head to the bottom of your sole of your foot. He would make you acceptable to God. He would do that today if only you would turn to God. If only you would say, yes, I want to be satisfied by this Savior. Yes, I want to come through God's rescue plan, Jesus Christ. He would do that for you right now, right where you sit. I plead with you. I beg with you. Do not pass this rescue operation up. He is the only way. Do not wait till tomorrow and say, I'll do it when I'm 30. 30 may never come. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the appointed hour. I beg you. I beg you. Turn to Christ today. He would save you. Father, I lift up this group. I thank you for the joy of getting to speak with them and teach them all this week. And I I pray, Lord, I pray that all of us would be hardened. I pray that we'd have the mind of Polycarp. Here I stand, Luther says. Polycarp says, bring on the fire. Bring on the animals. Jesus is Lord. There is no other way. There is no other problem. He is the answer. Father, I pray that we would uh, make our stand here. Pray for all of these young people, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would bless them as they seek you out. That uh, your Holy Spirit would continually reveal the Son. Father, bless the remainder of this camp. We love you. We worship you now.
0: And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org. Or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we dive into a new session from Passion for Christ 2017. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for His glory each and every day.